Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. Each program, I have the joy and pleasure to interview a uh, scholar on the Hebrew text, on the Tanakh, um, and to discuss the weekly portion. There are 54 weekly portions in the five books of Moses known as the Torah. The number uh, 54 is to accommodate the unique calendar of the Jewish people, which is an amalgam of a lunar solar calendar, and the uh, yearly variance in which uh, when um, holidays or holy days occur on the weekend, the regular Torah portion is pushed aside for the special Torah portion of that holiday or holy day. This week, in synagogues throughout the Jewish world, the third Torah portion of the book of Genesis will be read and studied. It is called Lech Lecha, from the first two Hebrew words in the parasha, meaning go forth. I want to share with you uh, an overview of the entire parasha before I turn to my guests for some pointed discussion of the highlights. This week's Torah portion begins in Genesis 12 and concludes in Genesis 17.27. God speaks to Abram, commanding him, Go from your land, from your birthplace, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. There, God says, he will make into a great nation Avram and his wife Sarai, accompanied by his nephew Lot, journey to the land of Canaan, where Avram builds an altar and continues to spread the message of one God. A famine forces the first Jew, or the first person in the Torah associated with Adonai in a covenantal relationship, to depart for Egypt, where Sarai is taken into Pharaoh's place, palace. Avram escapes death because they present themselves as brother and sister. A plague prevents the Egyptian king from touching her, and convinces him to return her to Avram and to compensate the brother then revealed as husband with gold, silver, and cattle. The story continues as they return to the land of Canaan, and Lot, the nephew of Avram, leaves uh, the family and settles in the city of Sodom, where he falls captive when the mighty armies of Chalandoromeor and his three allies conquer the five cities of Sodom Valley. Avram sets out with a small band to rescue his nephew, defeats the four kings, and is blessed by the king of Salem. God seals the covenant between the parts with Avram, in which the exile and persecution of the people of Israel is foretold. And here in this week's Torah portion, 
Eretz Yisrael, the Holy Land, is bequeathed to them as an eternal heritage. The Torah portion ends in an unusual way. Still childless, ten years after their arrival in the land, Sarai tells Avram to marry his maidservant Hagar. Hagar conceives, and the Torah portion identifies a struggle between Hagar and Sarai. And she flees when Hagar flees the family compound when Sarai treats her harshly. An angel convinces her to return and tells her that her son will father a populous nation. Ishmael is born in Avram's 86th year. Thirteen years later, God changes Avram's name to Avraham and Sarai to Sarah and promises that a son will be born to them. And from this child who they will call Isaac will stem the great nation which God will establish his special bond. Avraham is commanded to circumcise himself and his descendants as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Avraham immediately complies, circumcising himself and all the males of the household. From that brief overview, you can tell that this is a Torah portion with a great deal to discuss and a unique collection of narrative material. My guest this morning is Rabbi Sai Stanway, rabbi at Temple Beth Miriam in Elberon, New Jersey, and he has been the pulpit rabbi there since 1998. Previously, he served congregations in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, In addition to leading the congregation, Rabbi Stanway is active in the general community in this seaside uh, New Jersey resort community and the extended Jewish community. He is an amateur radio operator, and um, he is a Canadian by birth. Um, which for most of our listeners uh, to the show on the CHRI website uh, will have a unique perspective. Um, Rabbi Sanway, uh, welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. It is great to be here. Well, Thank you it for is me. a pleasure. Um, as I noted in our introduction to the Torah portion, this is the moment when the five books, when the Torah makes a transition from being a universal text, as in the story of creation and the story of Noah, to something more along the lines of what we're accustomed to, and that is a uh, story of particularism. And so I'm wondering if we could begin simply by uh, asking the question, uh, why does the God of the Torah, of the Jewish books, um, feel the need to choose one particular individual to carry forth um, the plan that the deity has for humanity? Well, I don't know. (laughs) And, and, and... I'm not alone, because our rabbis didn't know either. In fact, nobody knows. So 
the question that you're asking is, of course, a fundamental question. As we move from universalism, creation of the world, and so on, into particularism, namely the birth of the Jewish people, why was, why was Abram or Avram chosen? And we don't know. The text tells us nothing. They, he, they tell us that he was uh, the son of Terach, and, and uh, um, that's about it. So he has a lineage. He has a dad. Um, but he becomes a dad in his own right, in a very different kind of a way. Avram, as you know, means, well, literally it means big daddy. Avram means exalted daddy. When, when, when the name is changed, he becomes the father of the multitudes. So the question that you're asking is a very good one. So the rabbis know the ends of the stories, obviously, but they certainly don't know why Abram was chosen. And so what do they do? Well, they fill in what we call the lacunae of the text. The text has holes. It doesn't tell us a lot of things. So we have to ask the question, why doesn't it tell us a lot of things? Because for the writers of the Torah, those details were unimportant. The Torah is not a novel in the classical Western way that we think of novel and character development and backstory and history and all that, by and large. So they create what are called midrashim. And a midrash comes from the word darash, which means to explain. And it is what we call uh, the active rabbinic imagination. So the rabbis are telling these stories to each other when they're asking the same question 2,200 years ago. And they're saying, why do you think Abraham was chosen? And they, we don't know. So the famous story that everybody thinks is, is uh, uh, in the Torah, but it isn't, which shows you how famous it is is that uh, God was wondering who to choose for this uh, titanic event in the history of the world, namely the, the birth of, of the Jewish people, or if, if you are uh, uh, a Muslim, the birth of the, uh, the Christian people, or if you're uh, the Muslim, if you had the, the birth of the Islamic people, or if you're Christian, the, the, the birth of the, the Christian nations, and so forth. So the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims have these midrashim. So one of the Jewish midrashim, the Jewish midrash, is that Moses, uh, Moses uh, that that Abram, that Abram was so uh, highly spiritual and highly attuned to the spiritual world around him, and he saw his father make. And idols. we should remind our listeners that. This story, this fable, um, is not based on the text. While we do know, as you've told us, that in the previous episode, in the previous Torah portion, we have a genealogy that identifies Avram's father as an individual called Terach, um, we know nothing about him. The text is sparse. Um, because its intentionality is to speak about the relationship between God and the uh, actors in the text, 
rather than, as you've so correctly indicated, giving us great character development detail. But the rabbis realized, as you said, the need for the characters to be fleshed out. Exactly. And that's literally fleshed out, turned into real people. And the way they are turned into real people is by answering these questions. And so they created the story that Terach would, would make idols. And uh, the, the story goes that Avram asked Terach, his father, hey, what are you doing? What, 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 these, what, what are these idols? He said, oh, these are, these are very important. These are our gods. And uh, Avram, who's very insightful, waits until Terach is, is in bed and throws one of the idols on the ground and breaks it. And in the morning, Terach comes into the idol shop and he says, oh my goodness, what has happened here? And Avram said, I heard that the idols got into a fight and one of the idols threw the other idol down. And Terach, Avram's father, said, that's nonsense. These are just pieces of wood. To which Avram goes, aha! And so it was that kind of spiritual sensitivity that our rabbis uh, um, create and flesh out in Avram, which is why this portion is such a cool portion, because this story where we can begin to fantasize or flesh out, I like that word, the, the, uh, uh, the nature of Avram applies very much to us as well, because there comes a time, if we are serious about our religious inclinations, that we uh, step back and we, we look at what we have been taught and we begin to question it. And really, isn't that the definition of, uh, uh, of, of, uh, uh, of growing up? I mean, that's, that was the whole story of Adam and Eve when they were expelled from their home. Uh, you know, where a person leaves his, his, uh, his, uh, his parents in order to go have, uh, go have a family of their own. That's an expression of growing up. And so when I teach, um, and, uh, um, when I, uh, counsel and, and I listen and, 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 and I do my rabbi things, I'm listening for these moments of growth. I'm listening, if you will, for these moments of Avram, where, where somebody is, is coming up to an aha moment and begins to create their own sense of spirituality. And that's why when at the very beginning of this portion, lech lecha is an imperative. It means get the hence. It means go, but it also means go to thyself. In other words, go to yourself. Who are you? What are you? What is inside you? What are these questions you have? And not being afraid to answer and confront these questions. So one of the beauties of, uh, of teaching theology that I do every Wednesday in, 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 uh, in the synagogue uh, with a group of adults is we approach these questions and we create an atmosphere in which asking the question is nothing to be fearful of. Um, because our rabbis have told us in creating this story about Avram, who then becomes Abraham, 
their their story allows us the uh, um, uh, the the permission gives us the permission to explore what it means to be Jewish, what it means to be part of a covenant, what it means to be a blessing, and we do that without fear. So. Even though my theology may be different than yours, Steve, or anybody else's, we could still be in the same synagogue, the same class, and worship together. So, so you've raised we're not, a number we're, of interesting dynamics about um, Jewish faith. I just want to reinforce for our listener the very important insight you offered that— um, Adam and Eve need to leave the Garden of Eden to fulfill their destiny, to complete themselves as humans in relationship to God. They can't stay in this fanciful, perfect world. And if you look at the concept of leaving or expulsion, you see it in three main places. Well, actually, you see it in uh, more than three, but three first ones. The Garden of Eden, Avram, and the Exodus Correct. from Egypt. And then, and then later, you see it in the different diasporas. For the, 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 first, uh, uh, the first diaspora, um, uh, the, the second diaspora, and so forth. And after each one of those expulsions or or um, um, ex, uh, exit uh, uh, events, there is a huge growth. So Adam and Eve grow tremendously as people, which they can only do outside the Garden of Eden. Avram can no longer be in Ur of the Chaldees, where he grew up, and, and, and begin his own spiritual journey, spiritual quest and direction. And the Jewish people could not be the Jewish people in the land of Egypt. They needed to get out of the land of Egypt in order to receive the Torah. And we can make an argument from history that after the, well, especially the Babylonian exile, uh, it was only then that the Jews could create a kind of Judaism that was not bound by the temple in Jerusalem. And so each one of these events created an opportunity for unbridled growth. And the only reason that we are able to ask these questions and our religious tradition allows us to ask these questions, which is which fills our books, I mean, especially things like the Talmud and the Midrash, is because Avram asked the question in Genesis 12. And he and 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 it was it was by asking that question that he hears the command not just to go forth from your native land and from your father's house to a land I will show you, but he also a uh, uh, he hears in himself, go into yourself. Is this really who you are? Is this really what you are? Is there something else? And so that's why this text is such a powerful, powerful text. And every story in this uh, parsha, in this portion, has to do with somehow Abraham finding out and discovering 
who he is and so, what he's so capable of. So let's use that comment as a segue to this um, unusual story. Uh, it is true that in most monotheistic traditions, the uh, lead prophet or the lead uh, individual is presented in a manner that um, helps us see the person as unique and, um, and prophetic um, and spiritual. Uh, but shortly after Avram hears the call from God, the text, the Torah text, tells us he goes to uh, Egypt, and um, instead of standing up for that which is right and moral, he seems to uh, tell his wife that in order to be fed, to order, in order to uh, fulfill the uh, grocery list that they've prepared, he's going to allow her to go to Pharaoh's uh, house, which is a little foreshadowing of what will happen in the book of Exodus or at the end of the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. And he lies to Pharaoh. And, mm -hmm. and so yes, he does. very shortly after this individual becomes the preeminent role model for searching and self-discovery, um, he uh, lies. And, and he tells uh, the Pharaoh, this is my sister, uh, and she's going to go and be part of your harem, I think we would extrapolate from the story. And lo and behold, uh, the king is the Pharaoh is prevented um, by um, some physical infirmity, either an illness or some act of God, from consummating his desires, and he throws Sarai back to Avram, and he then accuses Avram of lying and of being deceitful. Um, what's Interesting is that um, the story doesn't disqualify Avram from continuing as the progenitor of the Jewish people, but rather um, gives us this episode um, in which we see him as uh, flesh and blood. It, that, that is correct, Steve. It, it, first of all, this is the first of three of these very similar episodes in the book of of, uh, of uh, Genesis. And I'm not entirely um, uh, um, sure uh, if each one of these episodes was a way to try to fix the episode before. And the, 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 uh, the editor fails miserably because no matter which way you look at it, um, a Avram lied. Okay? Now, he may have had good reason to do so. And, uh, of course, uh, the rabbis will try to exonerate him as well as they try to exonerate all of the, uh, uh, human things that the prophets all of have the done. Foibles, right? But uh, lying and cheating exactly. and, uh, turning a blind eye. Uh, none of these patriarchs and matriarchs are, um, exemplary uh, role models. 
Well, in some cases they are not, um, which is why if there is a picture of any of our prophets or matriarchs or patriarchs, none of them have the classical halo as they do uh, in, in, in some other uh, iconography. Our, our ancestors are human. And because they are human, uh, they are they are prone to make mistakes, and they are prone to fail. And it is telling us that we are also prone to fail and prone to make mistakes. The question is, as you look from thirty six thousand feet or twelve thousand meters, uh, if, if if you are looking at these stories, what is the image we have? Is our life going to be defined by our mistakes or by our greatness and our quest for greatness, our journeys for greatness? And the Torah is saying, let our lives be defined by the journeys for greatness. There is, uh, 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 there, there is a, uh, maybe even an immorality in every person's life. There is a foible and mistakes, and what we might even call sin. Um, uh, but that's not what defines a person. We do not uh, uh, say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob during the, our worship service because of what he did uh, with Sarah. We say it in spite of what he did with Sarah, because his greatness far exceeds his deficiency. So, I'm, I mean, it's an interesting perspective on what constitutes a religious role model. Um, and wow, and especially yeah. in these yeah. days when we are so yeah. quick to marginalize yeah. people with uh, one mistake, uh, it can be a verbal mistake, uh, it can be... Uh, Today, of course, uh, a, a social media mistake, um, and mm -hmm. we are certainly quick to condemn people for behaviors that they may have um, acted upon um, 10, 15 years earlier. That is exactly the lesson I'm doing with my teenagers and post-college uh, 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 group um, on Sunday, it, and that that is, uh, you know, the question: Can we forgive? And that's what I'm going to be titling it. And it's and it was and it's based on a tweet um, and some comments that uh, an editor for Teen Vogue magazine made 20 years ago or 15 years ago, and somebody picked it up and said, "Oh, look, 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 look at this person." Um, and uh, then she was fired. And the question was, is this fair? And, you know, my, my answer is, you know, if you're going to um, hold people accountable for mistakes or a lack of growth 15 years ago, um, then, um, uh, you know, God help you, because uh, all we have to do is look into your background, too. You know, if you look at what we uttered in school, you know, Steve, I mean, you know, when we when we were growing up, um, 
or what, what was said to us. You know, some of us were bullied. Some of us were bullies. Um, um, you know, some of us were mean and, and disrespectful. I mean, you know, for goodness sakes, I got kicked out of Hebrew school in grade five. You know, I mean, is that, is that what is going to define us? And the answer ought to be no, because even though we made mistakes, even though you might even consider it to be a sin, like Avram, we have moved on from it and we have uh, um, we have grown from it, and it's not who defines us. Uh, my guest this morning has been Rabbi Cy Stanway of Temple Beth Miriam in Elberon, New Jersey. He's helped us to understand this unusual character called Avram or Abraham, who becomes the progenitor of the Jewish people without being the perfect individual. You can hear a podcast of our show on iTunes or on the chri.ca website. I want to thank Rabbi Stanway for joining me this morning for Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. Shalom and have a good day. Behold.